and air conditioning and good food. Amen. All right, take your Bible. Go to Philemon. Last message that I'll preach out of the book of Philemon. And uh, we looked really at the end of the book. What we've been doing is looking at the names or these list of names that the Holy Ghost has allowed the Apostle Paul to write about. And we've looked at those names. Epaphras, who was a man, that, just a common man, making a big difference. Marcus, a matured zealot. Uh, Aristarchus, a faithful friend. Demas, a deceived servant. And then lastly tonight, Lucas, my fellow laborers, the Bible says. And so tonight I just want to look at, at Luke. Luke was a doctor that loved the ministry. And um, we have a couple of doctors here. I, I cannot tell you how much I relied on them during COVID, asking them questions, what we should do, how we could formulate maybe a good, uh, uh, at least a good protocol, a good way to try to navigate through those things. Nobody had ever been through that, and they were very helpful in that. And um, I'm glad that they're here. I, I, I want you to look, though, at that word Lucas right there. The, the last phrase is my fellow laborers there about Lucas. And I, I want you to just kind of hold that thought in your mind. But I want you to go to another place. Go to Colossians, just a few pages back to your left. Colossians chapter 4. Luke is mentioned by name three times in your Bible. Here, Colossians and 2 Timothy 2. And... Um, in 2 Timothy, the Bible says that only Luke is with me. He's the sole companion of the Apostle Paul as he's getting ready to face death at the hands of Rome. And he's a faithful friend. He's been there all the way through with Paul. Um, in Philemon, he's said to be a fellow laborer. But in Colossians 4, the Bible gives him a little different, different title. I think it would be important for us to look at that just a moment. Um, if you look down there at verse number 14, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greets you. Now, we looked at Demas last week, but Luke, the beloved physician. So, I want to do, what I want to do first, I want to give a little Bible study for just a minute. And then we'll look at the message for just a second after that. But Luke, the beloved physician, that's written in the Bible about Luke. That word beloved occurs eight times in the Gospels. Every time it occurs in the Gospels, it always refers to Jesus Christ. Beloved is somebody that is greatly loved or dear to the heart. And Luke is dear to the Apostle Paul's heart. But I'd like to say this, I think Jesus ought to be dear to our heart. We ought to greatly love him. And we heard testimony of that just a moment ago. In fact, if you keep that mark right there in Colossians 4 and look, if you would, back at Philemon, you find the word beloved three times in the passage. Look at verse number 2. The Bible, excuse me, verse number 1. And Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow labor. Dearly. Somebody dearly loved. And he's talking about Philemon as a man that he loved. Then if you look down at verse 2, and our beloved Aphia and Archippus, which again, some people believe that to be the wife and son of Philemon. And then if you look down at verse 16, not now only as a servant, but also above a servant, a brother beloved. So what I'm trying to say is this, that the word beloved, somebody very dear to your heart. So obviously Luke is very dear to the Apostle Paul's heart. But if you look back again in verse number 14 of Colossians 4, I want you to see that again. He's also a physician. He's a doctor. And I don't know that I've really preached on medicine and doctors since I've been here. Medicine is probably in the Bible at least 50 times. And what I mean by that is whether it's a medicine or a balm or a salve or an ointment, 
The Bible is filled with references to medicine. And the Bible is also filled, there's at least 12 times you find a physician in the Bible. There's something about a physician that's mentioned. The first time is in Genesis 50. And it says that the, the physicians were there when they embalmed Jacob. Now, I don't know how many of you feel like you've been embalmed after you go to your doctor, but I, I believe that at least that's where it starts off. The first time you find the word physician is somebody attending to the embalming of Joseph's dad. And then you find a man by the name of Asa in 1 Chronicles 16. Asa is greatly diseased in his feet. Now, we don't know what that means. We could guess. But what he does, he seeks to the physicians instead of seeking to the Lord. Can I ask you a question? If you have a doctor that you appreciate, you've got insurance that pays the bills or at least a portion of it, and you go to that doctor, I think that's fine. How many of you think we might be better off sometimes seeking the Lord first before we ever went to a doctor? Could you say amen to that? That's what Asa said, I'm not going to seek, I'm not going to check in with the Lord. I'm not going to ask for his help. I'm just going to go to the doctor and let him take care of it. There's some things doctors can't take care of, but there's a God in heaven that knows how to take care of beyond that. And then it's said in the Bible about doctors that those that are sick, those who seek a physician. And when you get sick, I, 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 we go to the doctor, and I know some people, they feel like that doctors, maybe they're not, um, you know, they're maybe not altogether what we ought to be seeking after. I'm, I'm thankful I can tell you this, my, the doctors that I've had in our family, every doctor that we've had since I've been married that I know of, has been a born-again Christian. And uh, even the ones that delivered my children, the same doctor delivered all four children. After every delivery, he'd take and put his hands behind his back, and we'd have a word of prayer right there in the labor and delivery room. Every doctor, every doctor I've had. Now, they're not all Baptist. You don't have to be a Baptist to be born again. You do have to be a Baptist if you want to be right, but you don't have to be a Baptist to be born again. And those men have been very good to our family. In fact, one of my physicians in Alabama he told me this, never forget it. He said, he said, Joel, I start off the day asking the great physician to help me help all the people that come to see me. And I don't know about you, but I, I think I like that kind of a doctor. Now, the doctors also, Luke wrote about a woman that had an issue of blood. And in describing her, he said basically that she had suffered many things at the hand of doctors. Mark said she'd spent all of her living. So I think that we understand that doctors, you know, there is something about a doctor that is in the Bible, and Luke had something to offer Paul. If you put a little mark in Colossians 4, I want you to go to one other place. Go, if you would, to Luke chapter 4. Um, some people have a, a problem with medicine. Some people have a problem with Western and, and Eastern medicine being combined. I'm not against people using herbs and using different things like that. Um, the Bible speaks about in the book of Revelation how the leaves of that tree of life are going to be used for the healing of the nations. And um, I don't think it's wrong to take herbal supplements and whatnot, um, but um, I also don't think it's wrong to go to a doctor. But if you look in Luke chapter 4, how many of you ever heard that God referred to as the great physician? You ever heard him referred to that way? You know it's not in the Bible. That phrase is not in the Bible. Let me show you what is in the Bible. In Luke chapter 4, if you look down there at verse number 23, Jesus is speaking of himself and he says, And he said unto them, Ye will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. In other words, were, he said, You guys are going to say to me, Physician, heal thyself. And they did that. At Calvary, they said this of him. They said of Jesus, He saved others, but himself he cannot save. And we know that Jesus went about 
healing people of all kinds of diseases, all kinds of illnesses. Jesus was a healer. He healed people of the sicknesses of their body. And at Calvary, they're going to say to him, listen, you saved others, but yourself you cannot save. And you know, that's just so untrue. He did save others and he could have saved himself, but if he'd have saved himself, he would have been able to save us. I'm glad I had a savior that put us in front of himself. And what he did is he was that physician. Now for that, people call him the great physician. So I'm just saying Jesus is known as a physician. And I don't have any problem with that. So in the Bible, in the Bible, Luke is the beloved physician. Well, that leads me to say a few things. Go back, if you would, to the book of Philemon. So here's the first thing I want you to note then. I, I really don't have a long message tonight, and uh, I forgot to start my timer, so I guess maybe I have a little longer message. But uh, Philemon, look what the Bible says about a doctor. Luke is a doctor. He's a physician. Verse 24, Luke my fellow laborers. You see that? So if I were to ask you what occupation the Apostle Paul had, how many of you would say he was a preacher of the gospel? He's an apostle to the Gentiles. Paul said, all the care of the churches is upon me. So if you were to ask Paul, what do you do for a living? He'd say, I preach the Bible and I carry the gospel to every place that I can find to get into. I reason with the Jews in the synagogue. I reason with the Gentiles in the marketplace. My life is consumed with getting the gospel out. But he says of Luke that he is a fellow laborer. So that leads me to say this. I believe that Luke must have joined in in serving in the gospel with the Apostle Paul. Which leads me to say this, your occupation, whatever it may be, does not exempt you from laboring in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think I'm going to say that again. Whatever your occupation is, we have people here that have been policemen. We have people here, lawyers. We have people here, the doctors. We have people here that have their own construction businesses in very different uh, uh, sorts and, and kinds. We have all kinds of people here that have different jobs. But I'm just going to say tonight, if, if the Holy Ghost would write behind the name Lucas, my fellow laborer, a doctor is not exempt from laboring in the gospel any more than anybody else is. We should all be laborers in the gospel. Amen. All of us. You know what they call that? Moonlighting. I'm telling you tonight, if I could title this message without doing disservice to Luke, I would, I would title it Moonlighting for Jesus. I, I really believe it. Whatever you do in your life, whatever your job is, Moonlighting is something you should do for Jesus. And here's what I mean by that. Moonlighting is a, this is a legal term, by the way. It is a job that you have after hours that is a second job. So it's moonlighting. And some people moonlight because they love what they're doing outside their regular day job. It's not about the money they make getting a second job. It's about that they love something else. Here is my main source of income, but I love doing this. Hey, can I say it this way? Whether or not you sell tires or whether or not you work on roofs or whether or not you practice medicine, there ought to be something down inside of us that says, I love serving Jesus Christ. And yet I work 40 hours a week or I punch the clock and I'm at the office during the, these hours. But when I get a chance, I love to steal away and do something for my master. Amen. 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 I believe that's true about Luke. I believe that he loved to labor for the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And that's because, listen, when you labor as in your occupation, you have access or reach to people that other people do not have. Every one of you in this auditorium, if you have a job, you have access to people that other people don't have access to. I remember as a little boy, my dad took me one time to IBM where he worked there in Huntsville. And again, IBM was involved in the space shot. So they put, they put a man on the moon. My grandmother never believed that we went to the moon, even though my dad told her, listen, Mom, we put a man on the moon. She said, it's all a bunch of pictures. I don't believe that. But, uh, but, but, but I, it was a big deal back then. I mean, Dad and, and NASA and, and Werner von Braun and IBM. And one day, Dad said, I want you to go with me to work. And I thought, oh. And I remember we walked into where I, those big front doors, we went into the place there, and then there were these other big doors, and Dad had some kind of like a lanyard thing, but he had an ID. And, and when, he, when he, we went into that place, there were these Vax machines. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's kind of like these little things that you see in these old, uh, you know, television shows that twist around and move, and there's all kind of cards that are running them. I mean, you have more computing power in your phone than they had to put that rock man on the moon back, back, in, the, back in the day. But when we went, I, I, st I stepped into that door, and I hear all these machines going, ch -ch 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 -ch, and, I, and then I see all these people walking around, and I, I felt like I had stepped into some double. 007 movie somewhere. I had access. Of course, you know, I was looking for the rocket. He said, we don't do that here. You know, that's not. But there, there are people you have access to, I would never have access to. They wouldn't sit down and talk to me because they don't respect me. They don't know me, but they know you. You're in a business and maybe you're very good at it, and I hope you are, but because you're good at it, now you've got an opportunity to say something to somebody that maybe nobody else would ever have the opportunity to say something to. So what I'm saying is Luke is using his occupation or not using his occupation to exempt himself from laboring in the gospel, but instead what he's doing is he's saying, look, I may be a doctor, but I'm still going to give out this track. I'm still going to speak about Jesus Christ. And I, listen, I believe that each one of us ought to be involved in doing something for the gospel's sake, no matter what our job may be. There's a great illustration of that in the Bible in Aquila and Priscilla. Aquila and Priscilla were tent makers. And yet, if you look at them, they helped the Apostle Paul. They helped his companions. The church met in their house. They were, their occupation, tent maker. But they didn't let that keep them from serving the Lord. They were engaged in doing something for Jesus Christ. And so I'd say, number one, your occupation does not exempt you from laboring for the Lord. You ought to be involved in that. You ought to use that. Secondly, secondly, you, you work for the Lord regardless of who your employer is. So when he says he's a fellow laborer, he's a fellow laborer for the Lord. Now, now to show you that in the Bible, go, go and grab just two places right quick. Colossians 3, Ephesians 5. Colossians 3, Ephesians 5. I know our workplace today, there, there's so many people, they, they, don't want, they don't want the Bible in the workplace. They don't want to bring God in the workplace. It's just kind of like keeping God out of the schools. I tell you what, we have seen the result of keeping God out of the schools for 30 years, and it is not a good thing in this country. Um, but if you look there, look in Ephesians chapter 5 and Colossians chapter 3, two places. Look, Ephesians 5, look at verse number 5. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and singleness of heart as unto Christ. 
so I'm obeying the person I'm working for, but I'm doing it like I'm obeying Christ. Look at verse 6. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. So whoever your master may be, whoever your employer may be, that employer, that employer is not really who you're working for. You work for the Lord regardless of who sends you a paycheck. If you look at it again in Colossians chapter 3, look at Colossians 3 and verse 23. Colossians 3, 23, and whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance for ye serve the Lord Christ. That's said to servants, verse 22. So whoever, whoever you are employed by, you really serve the Lord. Maybe I should say it this way. Listen, if you are a banker or if you are at a teller at a bank, you ought to do the very best job you can, not because you're trying to impress the people you're working for. You ought to do it because you really, you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ and you're serving him. Right. That would help some of us. That would help some of us that hate the place that we go to to work. I'm not going to ask you how many of you hate the place you go to work. Because we have people work for the church, and if you raise your hand, we'll have a bad conversation after serving. Listen, there are people that don't like where they work, but it's, where they, it's what God's given them at the time. That's all they have. And I don't, I don't think that you ought to say, well, I, I, I'm just, I'm, I work for you, but I hate working for you. If you look at it as I'm working for the Lord, he's given me my health and he's given me a mind. I'm working for the Lord. That'll help you because he's the one that's going to reward you in the end. Can I, can I say this to you? God's going to pay you a whole lot better than the, the employment place ever paid you. If you'll represent him well. That's why I say it doesn't matter who your employer is. You still work for the Lord. Right. You work for the Lord. Well, the last thing. If you're in Colossians 3, look down there again at verse number 14. Luke, the beloved physician. Now, I'm going to say something. He is a doctor. And he's going to take and he's going to use his occupation to be a blessing to the Lord and his people. When my family got COVID, um, the doctors in our church are not our doctors. They're not our family doctors. We have no relationship uh, in any kind of professional capacity whatsoever. And yet when my family got COVID, both the doctors in this church tried to help my family and I. And they said, listen, use this, make sure you have this thing on hand to be able to measure your oxygen levels and all of that, and even checked on us later on. And, and they were being kind. They were using their occupation to be a blessing to our family. And I appreciate that. And I think, listen, I think that you ought to use your occupation to be a blessing to the Lord's people. But in saying that, I want to say this, church is not a business place. The church should be a place of worship. In fact, Jesus took issue with those folks that were selling and buying in the temple. He said, man, you've made my father's house a den of thieves when it's supposed to be a house of prayer. And maybe I should say it this way. I, I really don't, this is just one of those things as far as a pastor that I really don't like. I'm not going to tell you it's unbiblical altogether necessarily, but I don't think you ought to transact business in church. So I can say this, I don't think you ought to be trading on the stock market during service. Right. And I think most people would say, well, preacher, we wouldn't do that. Well, if you wouldn't trade on the stock market during service, I don't think you ought to hit up everybody in church to buy whatever you're peddling. I got a lot fewer amens. 
You can do that before service. You can do that after service. Listen, we have employees at the church. Roger, how many times in six years have I come and talked business with you during church? Don't do it. And usually try not ever to talk business on Sunday because this is a worship day. I don't want to crowd that. I want him to be able to come and worship. I don't want to have to think about all the other things that are going on. My dad, I remember my, my dad, my dad, my dad started out as a computer programmer for IBM and then he ended up being a data processing superintendent. And I got my first computer. I got a compact computer. And uh, probably, it probably had, I, I have no idea, it had maybe one half of a gigabyte of anything in it. But, but I bought it, I got it at home, and here I am, a new pastor. I got me a new computer, and I called Dad up, and I said, Dad, man, I'm having a little tr trouble figuring out how this thing works. Could you help me with this computer? And I can still remember what Dad asked me. He said, son, did it come with a manual? I said, yeah, Dad, but the manual's about three inches thick. He said, well, that's what you need to read if you want to figure out how to make it work. <laughs> and I can remember telling Dad, I don't want to read that manual. You know all about computers. Why don't you tell me? He said, son, you need to learn how to work that computer. You read that manual. And I think I understand what he was doing. He didn't want to be bothered with work with his boy. He wanted me to find out something. I don't think we ought to, listen. If you want to buy tires from Sam, I think it's a good thing. Just don't do it on Sunday. Don't put him in that position. Amen. And don't take advantage of somebody. Just because you go to church, don't, don't go up to somebody and say, listen, do I get a special discount? Amen. You can ask these doctors. I have never, I've never tried to seek them out to get medical um, supplies freely for ourselves or anything like that. I don't think that's proper. Amen. I've not asked them to examine my children or my wife or me. I probably need some examining. But I haven't done that. And again, I remember my wife's dad, my wife's dad, pediatrician, he helped the home. But he also, he got asked by people right here at church to take a look at somebody outside or maybe in one of the rooms. And most time that happened before or after church. And all I'm just saying is I, I think that you ought to use your occupation to be a blessing to others. But I think we as God's people ought to be careful that we don't take advantage of people that are in our church by abusing that blessing and that connection. Could somebody say amen to that with me right there? Because we have a lot of people here in the church that have all kinds of different occupations. Now look, look again, look, look, verse number 14, look again. Luke, the beloved physician. So he is using his job to be a blessing. He is traveling with the Apostle Paul. I told you, 2 Timothy 4 says he is the only companion left. He's right there with Paul, going right up to the very end. And I'm sure he tried to help him and minister to him. He's taking his job and his occupation and he's using it to be a blessing. When we were in Ghana, I, will, I don't know that I'll ever forget, it so affected my, my oldest daughter's view of what occupation she might be in, in this world. But Brother Kabe took us to a, a, uh, a hospital and we were in a labor and delivery area and we would take bags and have rice and hygiene products and a Bible. And we would go into there, and because he was a doctor, he knew people on the staff there. He, he knew the people that ran the hospital. And we went in, probably, I don't know how many of us, maybe 15, 20 or more. And we went in and we gave those things away. And, and then there would be a couple of, I can still remember a couple of Muslim women, Muslim women, 
coming up and saying, can I have one of those? Can I have a Bible? And I think what he was doing, he was using his occupation because it gave him an opportunity to be a blessing for the gospel's sake. But he, he was able to help other people and it affected one of my children, Hannah, to the point she says, I think I want to do this the rest of my life. I want to do something like this. I want to take something and have an occupation that I cannot just get wealthy on or make a lot of money in, but I want to use it to be a blessing to others. And I'm telling you, we ought to be moonlighters for Jesus Christ. Whatever your occupation is, use it to be a blessing to other people. There are people we have in our church that have electrical abilities. We have people in this church that have mechanical abilities, instrumental abilities, technological abilities. We have people, I'm amazed at what they can do. I, I don't know if you've ever sat very long with Cody Stinson. I am amazed at what Cody Stinson can do with a computer and with some cord and with the internet, fiber cable and all of that stuff. These guys, I mean, we've got technology here that's way beyond my ability. I, I don't know how to turn it on, I don't know how to run it, but I'm glad I got somebody that knows how to do that. And all I'm just saying is this, listen, let God use the occupation you have to be a blessing to God's people. That's exactly what Luke is doing. Luke is taking his medical practice and he's using it to be a blessing to God's people and the Lord. And when Paul's life ends, there's Luke the physician and he's sitting there saying, Paul, anything I can help you with? When Paul says there in verse 14, Luke the beloved physician, I love him. Now, there's a man by the name of Bezalel. A lot of people think you have to be called in the ministry to serve the Lord. I don't believe that. Bezalel knew how to work with his hands. And in Exodus 33, the Bible says he was filled with the Spirit of God. And yet he's the one that made all of that, all of that furniture in the tabernacle. He's the one that wove all of those curtains. He knew how to take metal and make it work. He knew how to take cloth and thread and make it work. He knew how to take wood and make it work. And he never got the benefit of seeing his work. Once he finished it, it went inside the tabernacle. He never even got to look at it again. But boy, he was engaged in doing that. He was using his hands for the glory of the Lord. He was using his hands to minister to God's people. And I just want to remind all of us, he's spirit-filled. He's filled the Spirit of God. Look, you and I ought to be spirit-filled believers no matter what our occupation is. And then we ought to use our occupation to be a blessing to the Lord and to be a blessing to his people. And Luke did that and he's beloved. He is somebody appreciated. I'm telling you, I appreciate the people we have in this church that have that same mentality. We have people here that have helped in so many ways. We, we have people that have occupations that say, preacher, I can take care of that. I have had people in this church that have taken care of the needs of missionaries and other preachers. My dad many times would be asked to take a preacher out to eat or a missionary because dad had a really good job. And he would take him out and he'd, they'd take and they'd feed them. And all I'm just saying is moonlight for Jesus Luke said, I got a job, but it doesn't exempt me from the gospel because I love seeing people get saved. And I've got a job and an occupation, but I'm going to use it to minister to God's people. And I have a job, but I want everybody to know that I don't, I don't, work, I don't work for the medical company. I'm working for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, if we do this, how about our young people that 
that testified up here tonight. How about y'all just step up to the front up here? Y'all do that? I think I'd like to end the service this way. I think this would be good. Y'all spread out a little bit. Y'all got to spread out a little bit. Kind of think about what you try to do in that little enclosed little room when you're around all those people that are in there that smell so good. Spread out a little bit. There you go. Now, I know this isn't in all of our young people, but here's what I want to do. You got to hear their heart tonight, and maybe, maybe by something they said, maybe you just come by and just let them know, hey, what you said really touched my heart. I appreciate you, and I'm praying for you. And I think it'd be a great way to end the service tonight. Okay, so if you stand to your feet, we're going to be dismissed in a word of prayer. And um, thank you for being here tonight. Brother Asbury, thank you for being here tonight. And uh, let, let's be dismissed in a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for your blessings. Thank you for our young people, all of them. Lord, thank you for our young adults. I pray you'd help make them servants for you. And we give you the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. You don't have to make a line. You can just come up if you want to.